to kind of continue on the theme from the uh, children's story, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Psalms 121. It's one of my favorite um, verses or chapters. I should have thought far, further ahead and had Francis come up here and say this, because I think we've memorized this one at home. It's um, a, tie, or a psalm uh, where David is asking, where does his help come from? I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. I'm going to sing a version of, or sing that um, from Michael Card. He wrote a song with Psalms 121 verses 1 through 4. So I'm going to sing that for you now. Shall slumber he who keeps thee. Behold, he'll not slumber, nor will he sleep. He who keeps Israel. Beautiful, Rick. Thank you. Uh, our scripture reading comes from uh, Acts 6 through 10. We'll be reading from today. Uh, now, when they have gone through Phygia and the region of Galatia, and of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were after they were come to Mysia. 
they decide to go into Bathia, but the Spirit surfaced them not. That surface, the Spirit surfed surf, surf, surf them not, and and they and they passing by Mysia came down to Torres. And the vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision immediately, we endeavored to go we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering the Lord that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. All right, good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath to each one of you. It's a blessing to be here, blessing to see everyone, and I hope you were able to enjoy the warmer weather a little bit this week. Um, let's go ahead and, and pray together as we get into our sermon for today. The title is Walking in the Spirit. Kind Father in heaven, thank you so much once again for this day. Thank you so much for bringing us all here safely, and we just pray for your presence just now. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, and um, Lord, just help us to draw closer to you in some meaningful way. Uh, We're so thankful for all that you do for us, and please guide the rest of our service, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, The last time we were together, we had studied in John chapter 3, and we were talking about what it means to believe in Jesus, and we found that this is, it's it's an ongoing dependence when you look at it in the Greek text. It's this ongoing trust, this ongoing dependence on Him, not on ourselves. We're depending on Him and His righteousness. We're depending on His Spirit. And as we yield to His Spirit in our lives, we will manifest the fruit, obviously, of the Holy Spirit in our, in our lives. And we'll see the fruit, love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness. And uh, we're going to continue fleshing out what that looks like in our chapter today, or the, the passage we'll be studying today is found in Acts 16. Um, you all may be there already, <clears throat> but I am. I still need to get there. I'm going the wrong way. That's why I'm not seeing it. Acts chapter 16. This is a story about Paul and one of his missionary journeys, and he's traveling with Silas, and they're coming to a point in their journey. They're 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 getting ready to go. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit constrained them. Let me just go ahead and read that passage one more time quickly, where it's found in Acts chapter 16, 6 through 10. Now, when they had gone, first I'll highlight before I read. Paul has just been given a commission in Acts chapter 9 that he's going to be a missionary to the Gentiles. He's going to appear before kings. He's going to go out and be a missionary to the Gentiles and also to the Jews. He was going to be a a traveling missionary. He was going to be the voice of God. And so here we come just a few chapters later in Acts chapter 16, and 
The Bible says, Now when they had gone through Ferga and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now this Asia is a province within the Roman Empire, not Asia like we think of it today, but a province within the Roman Empire in the then known world they wanted to go travel to. And the Bible specifically says that the Holy Spirit forbid them from going there. Now that's interesting because he's just been told he's going to be a, 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 an ambassador or a messenger from God, an apostle to the Gentiles. You would think that he should be able to just throw a dart at the map and go and that's good enough. No, we're going to find out today that God has a, a specific mission for the people who claim to serve God. And we're going to keep fleshing this out and find out more about it. The Bible, the Holy Spirit forbid them from preaching the word in Asia. Verse 7, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to get into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them to go. Verse 8, passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with them, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Preach the gospel to them, yes. Long before I was ever in full-time ministry, when I was first becoming a Christian, when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, maybe I was 20 years old, I don't remember, but I can remember reading this passage, and I can remember reading other passages in the story of David. David would pray to the Lord, and the Lord would answer him. The Lord would say, he would say, Lord, should we go up here to this place? Should we go conquer this? What should we do? In every situation, David was asking God, what should we do? And God would answer And this is another instance where the people, God's missionaries, we're finding that God has an individual will for how he wants ministry to be carried out. And that's what we're seeing in the life of Paul. God has a specific way, a method. He's going and they're praying, Lord, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? And I can remember reading these stories as a new Christian and saying, I want to have that kind of a relationship with God. I want to see God interacting in my life, and I want to respond, and I want to experience His power in my life, and I want to know that I'm in the center of His will. I used to pray that a lot. I would say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Help me to know. I am very, you know my my shortcomings. You know that I cannot see the spirit realm, so I need you to make it abundantly clear to me what you want me to do with my life. And just like in these stories, I want you to speak to me so that I know that I'm doing what you want me to do. So this passage is illustrating that God does have an individual will and a desire for the direction of his ministry. He knows how people will be receptive, who will be receptive, and where. And so they're trying to figure that out. Where do we go? He doesn't just leave it to us. Uh, I've, I've had to say this many times to my colleagues in ministry, like we don't, once we answer the call to ministry, we don't then just get to take the reins and say, well, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. As a church, both this church and the other church in Rapids, last fall, we began praying as a church board, Lord, what do you want us to do? 
Because we know we're going to find out from this story, once we get in harmony with what we know God wants us to do, we will be successful. Let's keep reading the story and find out what happens when they do what God asks them to do, rather than ordaining and outlying plans and saying, Lord, bless our plans. We want to do what God asks us to do, and we know we'll have success. Let's keep reading. We see the intimacy in which God is involved in their lives and in their ministry. And if we want to have any success in ministry in our church and in our area and in our community, we must be spirit-led just like they were in their era, in their lives. As human beings, uh, as I was telling you about colleagues in the past, often in churches we lay out plans and we say, Lord, bless our plans. Rather than the other way around where we're saying, Lord, what do you want us to do? Once we find out what God wants us to do, then we know we'll be successful because he's the author of the plan. And so we're then following Jesus as we're supposed to be followers, not the other way around. So we're finding out what God wants us to do. When God inspires the plan, you can move forward in full faith, assurance that the plan will be successful in the way that he has determined for it to be successful. Amen? We want to be followers of Jesus, not trying to lead him where we think he should go. The plan cannot fail when we follow what Jesus asks us to do. And I don't know about you, as I've said, I see the Bible as a living document. I see the Bible as something I look at these stories and I say, if God did that for them, he can do that for me. If I see, and when I look at the story of the crossing of the Red Sea, I say, if God did that for them, he can help me with my problem. If God, if Jesus can tell Peter, hey, go pull a fish out of the water and in it is going to be the money you need for the day. If he can do that, he can provide for me too. And so when I see that God providing for his people over and over again in the Bible, I just put myself in my life in that situation, and I say, God, if God can do that for them, then he can help me with this problem that I have in my life, whether it's finances, whatever the case may be, provision in any way, shape, or form. When I look at the stories of Israel, and I see Israel encompassed by enemies, maybe it's the Assyrian army, whatever you want to say, and they dedicate themselves to prayer and fasting and seeking for God to help and protect them. And the Assyri- when they wake up in the morning, the Assyrians have butchered themselves in the middle of the night. Or an angel of the Lord went through the camp and slew 185,000 men or whatever the story says. If God can do that for them, he can protect me. Do you understand? God, all these stories exist to illustrate that this God that we serve is capable and able and desires to help us. He is an ever-present help in our time of trouble. Let's keep going. When we know that we're in the center of God's will, we can have peace moving forward that we know we're doing the right thing. When we're waiting on Him, when we're praying, when we're seeking, and we're waiting on Him, we can have peace knowing that we're doing the right thing. The Bible says that the Spirit constrained them. Let's keep reading. Therefore, sailing to Troas, that is not what I want to read. I'm just going to skip down to 14, sorry, 14. 14. 
Now a certain woman, they've, they've gone to Macedonia as the Holy Spirit inspired them to do. A certain woman lit, named Lydia heard us, and she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. God knew that there was a woman right there as they were coming into town who was going to be willing to receive the gospel. He was going to open her heart and she was going to be willing and ready to receive the words that they had. And therefore, the the gospel or the message would have a foothold right away. Only God knows those kinds of things. Okay, And so only God, we have to wait on Him and we have to walk and follow behind Him. That's why we as a church, we're praying, Lord, what do you want us to do? We're, we're outlining a basic plan, but what can we do to meet a need in our community? How can we do this? The, when Paul and Silas, they did not have a vision or an understanding of what was going to happen. They merely followed what God asked them to do, and they experienced immediate success in their preaching because God knows what he's doing. He knows who's going to be receptive. He knows the way. That's why we have to depend on him at every step of the way in our own lives, but also corporately as we're seeking to reach out to our community. They didn't have this vision. They just merely followed what they knew God was asking them to do. And we can see from the text that a heart that is sensitive to what God is asking you to do, a heart that is sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, is paramount. We have no hope otherwise. So this goes back to the new birth that we talked about the last time I was here, that Jesus spoke of, that you must be born again. You have to have a new heart, a new mind. And in order to, to, to even function in life as a Christian that way, But then in ministry, when you take it beyond that, as a church corporately desiring to reach out, we also, as a group, as we're moving forward, we have to have a heart that is sensitive to how the Holy Spirit is leading us. Okay, That's the only way that we will have success, is by depending on what God, depending on God and what He wants us to do, what He is asking us to do. God is preparing the heart's of people in our world and in our community to hear the gospel. Our job is to stay connected to the vine, to abide in Him, to maintain a relationship with Him, and say the words that He has called us to say. Calling people back to true worship. Calling people out of Babylon. We'll get to that in a minute. That is our plan. That's our purpose. That's why we exist. Let's keep reading. Let's continue on in this story. 16 through 23. Now it happened, they continue on their journey, doing what God has asked them to do. As we went to prayer, a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us, cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her from that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, 
they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and they said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison and commanded the jailer to keep them securely. A few more things here in the story. We're going to encounter people maybe who need to be released from a spiritual prison in some way, shape, or form as we're walking, as we're seeking to follow Jesus in ministry. We may encounter people who need help, need counseling, need prayer, need to be delivered in some way from this type of bondage that this woman, was, this young slave girl, was under. God sent Paul and Silas there for, to be those deliverers, to be the ones to set her free from her spiritual prison. Jesus came to set the captives free, amen? There's going to be many people that we encounter who are slaves to sin as we're seeking to work in ministry alongside or following behind Jesus, and we're going to have to depend on His power and His ability to do this. Paul didn't do this in his own name or based on his own intellect or anything like that. He said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, to be delivered. And it's only through Jesus' power that we will find any um, source of strength in ministry. Immediately, as soon as they respond to the call, people are accepting the gospel. A young woman is accepting the gospel named Lydia. Another slave girl is experiencing freedom in the gospel. When we do what Jesus asks us to do, we will be successful in the way that he ordains, in the way that he has ordained for us to have success. Maybe it's not success in the way that we think it should. I've seen that many times. But we will have success in the way that Jesus is, is ordaining for us to, whether it be in our own lives or in a direct impact on the people around us. He knows what he's doing. We don't have to be worried about what, where it may lead us, where this trail of ministry may lead. Jesus knows what he's doing. He is a good shepherd, and we can safely follow him. Now, These two men didn't know what they were going to encounter when they went. This whole following Jesus thing isn't always without complications. And we see with these two men that they were beaten severely as a result of their witness for God. You see, Satan hates God. He hates God, he hates seeing God accurately being reflected in God's children. And so he will do whatever he can to silence that. And in this case, we see literal physical torture being the method that is employed where he's trying to silence this. Following Jesus doesn't always mean that the road will be just a bed of roses. Sometimes there are thorns along the way that we encounter when you're dealing with spiritual warfare. 
It doesn't mean you won't have setbacks when you follow Jesus. It doesn't mean you won't experience any pain. It doesn't mean you won't experience any loss. Jesus said, the servant is not greater than his master. He said, if they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Jesus told us ahead of time that it's not always going to be what we think it ought to be. He also told us in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. He said, for so were the prophets who came before you. They too were persecuted for their faith, for reflecting the character of God. And many of them were murdered or martyred for their faith in the one true God. There's a great controversy going on, and whenever Satan sees a human being reflecting the character of God, he will do whatever he can and use his subjects to attack that person. That's what we're seeing. There's a great controversy. There's a spiritual battle going on behind the scenes where some people are attempting to reflect or desiring to reflect the character of God, preaching the gospel, setting people free, sharing the gospel with the people who will accept it. And then there are others who are there to attack them. But God promised, Jesus promised, in our trials, in the midst of whatever comes, He says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, He said. That's a promise that we can take to the bank. And we see, as we continue in the story, what happens. Look at 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. They've just had their backs flayed open with rods and the other horrible means of torture that the Romans used. This is the peace that the Bible tells us about that doesn't make any sense. It's a peace that passes understanding. It doesn't make sense in our human mind. Let me read that to you one more time. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Sometimes your trial is not just about you. Sometimes the trials that we go through is there are people watching how you're handling that trial, how you're walking through that trial with God. Is your God big enough to get you through that trial? In this case, they weren't watching, they were listening to what God was doing in the lives of these men. Let's keep reading. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately the doors, all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, because he would be killed anyway. So he was going to take his own life. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And then he called for a light. He ran in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? In this instance, their trial, 
for following Jesus. Remember, they're doing what God has asked them to do. And for following Jesus, there are several people in the story. Some are saved by their preaching. Some are saved because Jesus, Paul literally commands demons to come out. Their, Their captives are set free. And some are saved by seeing how they respond and go through their trial. And the prisoner, the prison keeper, rather, the one who was the captain of the guard, comes to them and he says, what do I have to do to have what you have? Because this man, being a prison guard, has seen a lot of people come through that prison with their backs laid open and being thrown into the back of a prison cell, and he's never seen this before. He's never seen what the power of the living God and a peace that passes understanding can do in a human life. And so this is the first time he's probably seeing this supernatural power that totally trumps, totally totally supersedes our human nature. Totally supersedes the fallen nature because he's always seen them prisoners lashing out at the captors. He's always seen prisoners screaming in pain at what they've done and them calling down curses upon their captors. He's never seen them praising God and he's never seen them worshiping God and he's never seen an earthquake and every, every door is opened and every chain falls off. He knows that this is something much greater, much more and a power that is unlike anything he's ever seen in his life. So he comes and he's like, I want to worship this God. The God that you have, what do I have to do to enter into a relationship with him? Even in not so fun circumstances, God knows what he's doing. These men are experiencing supernatural peace in the midst of a tumultuous situation. They're rejoicing as Jesus prescribed in Matthew chapter 5. You see, when you receive Jesus as your Savior, the joy and peace that you experience is no longer dependent on your circumstances, but it's dependent on maintaining a relationship with Him. There's nothing joyful about their circumstances. There's nothing praiseworthy about the circumstances. But they were praising God that they were accounted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. It's a complete paradigm shift from how we think in our world today. Most, probably including at different times, most of us, When you have that first rough run, perhaps, when you first start in ministry. But this is beyond a rough run. This is beyond a bad day of call portering. This is beyond a bad day of slam doors in your face. This is far beyond that. And many, I've heard many over the years say, if this is ministry, I don't want any more of it. Because self wants to preserve self at all times. That's our nature. Something has happened in them that they're not responding that way. And that's the new birth experience that I was talking about the last time I was here. A new life, a new heart, a new mind. It's, it's according to Paul, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. It doesn't mean that we don't ever wrestle with this flesh anymore, but the mind wants to do what God wants us to do. It's a transformation. But it does not mean that we never experience temptation or the, 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 the temptation to fall back into our old way. We're still are in a spiritual battle. We're still in a great controversy in which Satan is always seeking to pull us from the road of following Jesus like these men were doing. It would have been very easy to get into their psyche at this point in time. Like, this just isn't worth it. This, just, just forget about this. This is a bad idea. Everything in my flesh is saying, I mean, my back's flayed open. This is a bad idea. If this is what serving Jesus is like, then I don't want any part of it. But these people had the Spirit of God, and they were praising God in the midst of very, tumult, very terrible circumstances. Let's keep going. The prisoners were listening. The Philippian jailer is saved. People are saved throughout Macedonia. When God is the author of the plan, we don't have to worry about the outcome. It's on him at that point. I remember learning this right away in Call Porter Ministry. When God called me into ministry, I learned right away and I, <laughs> I held him to it. I said, Lord, funds are short this week. You're going to have to figure out a way. This is on you. You called me to do this, and you said you were going to provide. And whenever we were short one week, I would make double or triple the next week. God always comes through. And so we just have to hold him to his promises because his word can't fail. And so when we hold him to his own word, when we're praying, not hold him to it, but when we're praying his word to him, like I will always um, in all things, think of Philippians chapter 4, where he's saying, um, I can do all things through Christ, and my God will supply all of your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus, right? He will always supply the need that is necessary when we're bringing his word to him because his, he cannot fail, he can't lie. Only God knew what he was doing when he sent them there. Only God knew who would be receptive. God knew that a, a young girl needed to be set free from the prison that she was in. God knew that this Philippian jailer would be receptive when he saw them go through their trial. He knew that, and, and these men said, it's just a small, it's just a small price to pay. We're just a small puzzle piece in what God wants to do, and we want everybody to be saved. And so even if that means me having to go through this, I'm willing if others can be saved. That was their mentality. We're willing to go through whatever we're willing that, that God calls us to go through so that others can be saved saved and experience a saving relationship with jesus christ but only if you have a saving relationship with jesus christ do you want other people to have that if you don't have it you don't care because there's nothing there there's no power but when you have the relationship you're willing to go through whatever it takes so that other people can have that saving relationship do you see how that works they experienced the power of god and so they wanted other human beings to experience that same power. But when you don't have that, you don't care. That's the mentality. That's just, that's just life. That's our, our selfish human nature coming out. We don't need to be afraid to do anything that the Lord prompts us to do. You don't need to be afraid to do what, anything that God prompts you to do, whether it's a conversation, a, a, a smile, 
a, a glow track, an invitation to a series, an invitation to our Mind Fit series that's coming up in April. Whatever the case may be, when God is inspiring us to follow Him, He will, we will have success in the way that He sees or the way that He ordains for us to have success. Our job is just to yield. Our job is just to be obedient. Our job is just to follow. We are followers or told to be followers. Jesus said to follow him, take up our cross and follow him. The results are in God's hands. As we pray for wisdom, as we pray for the Holy Spirit's guidance, Jesus will lead. Walking in the Spirit, walking in harmony with the Spirit of God. This is our call. These men were walking in harmony with the ministry that Jesus had outlined for them at that phase. We too are praying, Lord, how can we be the most effective in ministry? Lord, what can we do? Lord, show us the way. Help us to be a blessing. As a church board, as I said before, we began praying last year. Lord, guide us this year. Show us the way. Help us to do your will. As we're planning this year of evangelism, I would invite all of you to pray with us. Please pray. Lord, what can we do? If you have ideas that we can meet a felt need in our community, then by all means, please come share. Share with me. Share with the church board. Share with leaders in the church so that we can put together a plan in a way that we can, in a concentrated effort, be preparing for the series in the fall. We want to be prepared. We want everything to be done in a way that is, that is preparing people for Christ's kingdom. The Bible calls or says, I'll say it this way, the Bible tells us that at the end of time, there is going to be a people group who is preaching the three angels' message. They are preaching, fear God and give glory to Him for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him who made everything. Worship the Creator. That's what the Sabbath points us back to, by the way, is that we have a Creator and we worship Him in the way that He prescribed. And we're also calling people out of Babylon, out of false worship, out of uh, man-made traditions. That's part of the three angels' messages. We are called to give that message. Maybe I should word it this way. Those who have the Spirit of God, that's what they'll be doing. They'll be preaching. They'll be teaching. That's what the Spirit of God did through these men. That's what the Spirit of God did through Jesus Christ. That's our example So when we have the same Spirit, when we have the Spirit of Christ, He wants to do the same thing through His people today that He did way back then. Those who have the Spirit of God, that's what they'll be doing. So I'd invite all of you to pray for us and please engage in the work as we're preparing, as we're seeking for ways to to find Bible studies and find people who are looking to heaven for the answers. We're, we're, we want to meet that need in some way. And so please, um, join us in praying. And if the Holy Spirit inspires you with some idea, please bring it to our attention so we can 
do some way to put it into practice. We want to tell people about this ever, we want to preach this everlasting gospel, the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. It's a gift by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. All human beings are invited into Christ's kingdom. That's the call. That's what we preach. That's our desire. And we have other things that we're trying to line up that we can reach people, meet a felt need, set them free from whatever prison they may be in. Our MindFit series is about, is about the mental anxieties and things that people face today. We're trying to meet a felt need in the community because that is the heart of God. When we follow God's will, His plan, His way of living, no matter what it is, whatever His prescription is for worship, His plan for ministry, we enjoy His presence and we will enjoy the success that He has for us in ministry. It's a win-win. We just need to be willing to follow when He moves and we need to have the discernment to know when that is. Is your desire to walk in the Spirit not only in your own life, but as we as a we we each have an individual lives that God is working in us and through us to be a blessing to the people around us. But we also have a corporate method, a corporate way that we as a church want to reach out. And I pray that it's every single person's desire in here to be a part of that movement, to be a part of that ministry, to be a part of reaching out, to be a part of sharing your faith. I pray that that's each one of our desire, is that we desire to walk in the Spirit. Is that your desire today? Show of hands, hearty amen. Please, let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to use us then. Kind Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the so many examples that we see in Scripture, Lord, that when we follow you, yes, uh, we will see success. We may experience heartache, but Lord, the best promise of all is that Jesus gave to us. He says, go, preach, teach, do all these things, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he said, lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. And so we're depending on you. As we learned last week, we're depending on you. It's this ongoing relationship with Jesus. And so, dear God, we're praying that you would move in our hearts and our minds, that you would inspire us, and that you would help us to meet needs in our community, that we could be your hands and feet as you have called us to do. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.